you, Lord. We expect to see you. And we expect to hear your voice um, in it all. And so, Lord, I pray as I bring what I have to bring, as, as what is brought is received, Lord, that your spirit would be at work in me, in my sharing, and in uh, all of us as we hear what you have to say. So come, Lord, be with us now. Amen. Consider it all joy, brothers, when you face trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Only let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Only if, if, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. Only let him ask in faith and without doubting. The one who doubts is like a, a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Such a person should not presume to receive anything from God. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. He bears his fruit in season and his leaf does not wither. In everything he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. They are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the gathering of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. If you abide in me, says Jesus, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. This morning we're continuing our series, Habits of Grace, as we're looking at these habits of grace, at these, these, these spiritual disciplines, um, uh, Prayer, fasting, reading our Bibles, um, these practical things that God has given us by which we can enjoy him and hear from him and meet with him. And as we've come through this series, we've seen that these things are God-initiated. So these aren't our ideas. We've not come up with ways, creative ways of, of getting to God, um, of, of trying to make ourselves right. No, these are God's Gifts to us, gifts of grace by which we can come and know him. We saw when we looked at prayer, God wants us to speak to him as a father. We've seen as well that these things are spirit-empowered. 
That is, when we come to pray, to fast, to read our Bibles, we aren't doing it just in our own strength. No, God himself, by his spirit, comes alongside us and empowers us to be able to do it. So it's not just a chore, it is God enabling us to do it. And we've seen as well that they're joy-driven. I don't do this because it's a Christian chore that I need to. I don't pray because out of duty. I don't read my Bible because that's something I need to do. No, I do it because I do it out of a fullness of joy for God and longing to get hold of God. And when I do these things, I'm met with joy. And so we're going to look this morning at the Bible and how reading our Bible, how studying um, plays its part in that. As the psalmist in Psalm 19, he says, um, you know, more to be desired, speaking of the word of God, he says, more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings from the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and in keeping them there is much reward. And so this morning I want us to look at just that last passage that I kind of I finished with. Um, so John chapter 15, if you have your Bibles, do turn with me. John chapter 15, it's going to come up on the screen, um, and we'll be reading from verse 1 to uh, 11. It's John chapter 15, 1 to 11. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in, lives in, is deeply connected to the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. Uh, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Here it is. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be full. As a church, we believe that, along with most people who've called themselves Christians throughout history, that this is the word of God. These are the very words of God. And so what that means is, you know, this is how God has chosen to reveal himself to us. In this book, in these words, human words, God has come to reveal himself to us. And, you know, we, 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 uh, and so that has some implications on how we read this Bible. You know, we're told that 
All scripture is God-breathed. It comes from him. It's from him in the deepest and truest sense. And so it changes the way we read our Bible. And so, so one of our key regions beyond as a family of churches, one of our key values is that we, are, um, we want to be faithful to scripture, to what this says. So it is our first and final authority on everything, in practice and in belief. And so we take this book seriously. So if someone stands up here and says something that is contradictory, that doesn't line up with what this has to say, that person is wrong. Full stop. So prophetic words, how we think, how we feel, what our culture has to say about something, all have to submit to what the Bible says. That's our bottom line. That's where I'm coming from this morning. I'm not going to be arguing that position. I'm going to assume that you believe that with me. If you don't, come and find me at the end. I'm very happy to talk to you. But that's where I'm starting. But more than that, you know, if we take this to be the word of God, not only does it mean that he has authority in what we do and what we, uh, and what we say and what we believe, it also means that when we come to it, we have expectations of it. So we're not reading this like we would read any other book. It's not like a textbook. It's not a, a list of facts about God. No, it is living and active, we're told in Hebrews. The word of the Lord is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, able to sever soul from spirit, bone from marrow. This is, this is, this is powerful stuff. And so when we come, when we read, when we hear, we expect to meet with the living God. And that's exactly what we see here as Jesus is as teaching his disciples in this moment. He is giving them high expectations of what to expect from his word. High expectations of what to expect when dealing with scripture and with the word of, of, of him, his own words. And so it comes with great promise, reading the Bible, Hearing the words spoken comes with great promise. And so I want us to look at those things really this morning. I, w- I want to look at well, what, what does it do? What happens when we read, when we hear the word of God? Um, how does it do that? And then I want us to look what does that then mean for how we approach scripture in our reading, in our hearing and, and all of those things. So that's where we're going one of the things that Jesus says right from the start, you know, is in verse 3 here, is he says, you are already clean because of the word that has been spoken to you, because of my word that has been spoken to you. And so, first thing we believe about the word of God is that it awakens and sustains faith. It awakens and sustains life-giving, freedom-winning, joy-filled, heart-purifying faith. We know that we are saved by grace. Amen? There you go. It's always worth throwing in one of those, because I know you're still listening. We are saved by grace through faith. But that faith... You know, that's, that's, that's the gospel, right? The gospel is we are saved not because of anything we've done, but because of the gift of God. But we know that that gift is received by faith. 
And, that that, and, and actually, as we read the Bible, we see that that faith itself is a product of God. That faith has been given to us. It's not something we've conjured up in ourselves that we can be proud of our faith. No, God has come and met with us and brought us to life. And he does that by the power of his word. Jesus says here, like we say, you know, you're clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Peter, later, kind of picking up this same thought as he's writing to the churches, says, since you have been born again, not by a perishable seed, the sort that gets driven away, but by the imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. You've been born again by the living and abiding word of God. Jesus says elsewhere, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. What sets me free? Oh, it's an encounter with the truth and suddenly freedom, life, faith come because I've been met with truth. And Paul, as he's writing to the Romans, says, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith is, is something that is brought to life by these words. And, and, and not only is it the original faith of a believer, as the word of God comes and suddenly God is at work in somebody's heart to open their eyes and to see what this person is saying is true, what I'm reading is true, but it also is sustained by the power of God's word. God speaks and is alive in his word and he, he gives the Christian everything he needs for life and godliness. Um, Paul, as he's writing to Timothy, says, "We've all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, uh, correcting, um, and, some, and discipling, something else like that. And he says, um, and he says and it, it, so that we can have everything that we need for life and godliness. The word of God is our daily bread. Jesus says this as he's being challenged in, in the desert by the, the devil comes to tempt him. He says, man can't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the Lord's mouth. That is our sustenance. That is our daily bread. God, would you show me wondrous things from out of your word? Now, this is, there's an interesting thing here where Jesus says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Now, we could read that to mean, if you want to be loved by me, you've got to keep these rules. But that's absolutely not what Jesus is saying. You know, he's already said, I have loved you as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. And then he says, it's an encouragement now, abide in that love with which I've loved you. So don't, you're not trying to earn your way into the love by keeping some rules, you are being loved. You are loved. You are loved. Now come and enjoy that love. And how do I come and encounter that and meet with that and sustained by that love? Well, abide in my word. If, you're, if this word abides in you, if you keep this, keep this in the sense of in my heart, not rules that I keep. That is how you abide in the love of God. By this thing kind of coming and speaking to me and sustaining me and meeting me where I am. The other thing we see it does is it produces fruitfulness. It produces enemy-defying, circumstance-overcoming, eternally-enduring, God-glorifying fruitfulness. 
Christian is called to be fruitful. In fact, Jesus says here, this, this is the proof of your faith, is your fruitfulness. How, how is the world going to know? How is the world going to know that you're my disciples? You bear much fruit. Now, I know that sometimes we don't feel particularly fruitful. And there are a number of reasons why that could be. I mean, Psalm 1 says, in its season, there's a, there's a time of fruitfulness in, in the appropriate timing. But sometimes it's just because we've not been living with this. We've not been in this. We've not been, we've not been disciples of Jesus. We've believed the gospel, but we've not made ourselves his disciples. We've not been keeping his word in our heart. We've not been treasuring his commandments. We've just been believing. The, we've been walking in the counsel of the wicked, standing in the way of sinners, things that have no root. We've been double-minded men, unstable in all our ways, and so we are incapable of bearing fruit. If you want to be fruitful, let this word abide in you. Let it take deep root in you. Now, what does fruitfulness mean? Because actually, it's, it's easy to hear that and to think, well, that, if, if there's anything going wrong in my life, that means I'm not being fruitful. But that's not what Jesus is really getting at here. You know, Jesus talks, he says, I'm fruitful. As I've bear, borne fruit, so you will bear fruit. Jesus was an exceedingly fruitful man. Have you noticed this as you read the gospel? He bears a lot of fruit. People are healed around him. People believe around him. People are brought to life around him. When he bore his most fruit was also when he was bearing the cross. Nailed to the cross and then he bore fruit. Fruitfulness doesn't always look like success in the world's eyes. But it does look like growth. It does look like God is glorified. It does look like um, we're imitating Jesus. We expect to see breakthrough. We expect to see um, people saved around us. We expect to see um, maturity in our own lives. Uh, you know, Paul says, he's writing to the Galatians, you know, spirit, you know, the fruit of the Spirit are, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against these, there is no law. Those things where we feel the lack of faithfulness, the lack of joy, the lack of uh, love, the lack of peace, the lack of patience, love, lack of kindness, it's because, hey, guess what? We've not been abiding in this. We've not letting it speak to us and meet with us and challenge us and change us and shape us. And feed us. Because that is what it looks like to be a Christian. Not just to have believed the word, but to believe the word. To be believing, to be drawing from, to be pulling from, day in, day out. I tell you, the amount of times, the amount of times when God has just met me so powerfully in my own reading... I was a, um, when I was uh, studying A-levels, I was studying philosophy. I remember um, it was quite challenging. I was having a lot of my thoughts kind of, I was anchoring a lot of my thoughts at that time. And I remember coming out of those classrooms and thinking, you know, we've just been thinking, um, 
does God exist? And we've been arguing yes and no and, and seeing all the cases for. And I remember coming away and saying, Lord, I know what I believe. I believe you. I believe you. But why do I believe you? And then God took me to the part in Matthew where, where Jesus is asking his disciples, who do people say I am? And they say, oh, some people say you're a prophet. Some people say you're this, that you're that. And he says, and who, who do you say I am? And Peter says, well, you're the, you're the Messiah. You're the son of God. And Jesus says, ah, this hasn't been revealed to you by flesh and blood. This has been revealed to you by God. And suddenly in that moment, as I read that, God was there with me in the room, speaking to me and fueling me. And that has been an anchor point for my faith for many years. I believe because God has revealed it to me. Because God has made himself known to me. Not because of my reasoning, although I can reason it out. Not because of my experience, although I can point to experiences. No, I believe because God has revealed himself to me. And so I would encourage you, if you want to bear fruit, if you want to feel God with you, get in this book. Meet with him there. There's kind of this, there's that incredible promise as well. Whatever you ask for will be done for you. In everything he does, he prospers. That's incredible. That is incredible promise. And I don't want to kind of unpack that fully now, but, but kind of in terms of what, what do we do with that? Well, we're, we should be met with that in kind of like an awe-struck wonder. What, God? If, 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 if I'm living according to these words, if I'm asking according to these words, then whatever I ask is going to be done. In everything I do, I'm going to prosper. It's amazing, amazing promises that come from this. And so how does this happen? How is it that the word of God does these things? Because it's possible actually to read this book, to read the Bible and to hear it taught without any of those things happening to you. Completely possible. In fact, Jesus finds himself again and again meeting with the religious leaders of his day and challenging because that's exactly where they are. You know, the Pharisees probably knew their Bible far better than any of us here could recall that, you know, off the top of their head, chapter and verse, where do you want it? But Jesus says again and again, quite cheekily, have you not read? They come, they come with their challenges to him. He says, have you not read this? And of course, well, of course we've read it. So, well, you've not understood it. You've missed it. You've completely missed it. This morning I was reading um, Matthew uh, and uh, the, the Pharisees come to Jesus and say, why is it you meet with uh, tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus says, go away. I'm going to give you some homework. Go away and read this and come back when you've understood it. These guys, they are in the word of God. They're reading their Bibles. They're reading, but they miss the whole thing. They miss it all. It just becomes a chore to them. And they've, and they've not encountered God. They've not met with truth. They've just been reading. It's just reading. Jesus says, you search the scriptures. He says this to them. You search the scriptures because you think that by them you'll have eternal life. But it is they that testify to me. And so if you knew your Bibles, you would know me. You would know me if you knew this thing. And then he says to them, the reason you don't receive me is because my, my words find no place in you. That is, that is a damning judgment. The word of God comes 
and it finds no place in you, so it goes somewhere else. That's what's happened to these people. They've encountered the word of God. They've met with the word of God. They've seen the word of God face to face and they completely blank it because they've not understood it. It's found no place in their heart. It's not abided in them. And so it's not about reading. Paul, he's talking about people, these same sorts of people. He says, you know, for to this day, he's writing to the Corinthian church and he's explaining this sort of person. To this day, as they read their scriptures, they read it with a veil over their face because it's only through Christ that that veil is lifted. It's only through Christ that, the, that, their, eyes are lift, that their eyes are opened to see the truth of these words. He says, but we now, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of God, are now being transformed um, into that same glory from one degree of glory to another. That is the difference here between the person who just reads and the person who reads and sees. They see Christ. They see Jesus. See, Jesus is is not just a character in this book. The whole Bible is about Jesus. And so to understand any of the Bible, we've got to to look at it through Jesus. Jesus is the lens and the object of all our reading of Scripture. To understand any of it, you you have to have met with Jesus. And when you understand it, you meet with Jesus. And as you do, you are transformed. Our aim when we come to the Bible is to see him. This is the first and foremost aim of all coming to the Bible. In in settings like this, when I'm preaching, and in private study, our aim is to see Jesus and to be transformed, not just to fill our head with Bible knowledge. We want to see Jesus. We want to be transformed by him. So when I stand up and preach like this, I'm not just encouraging you to read your Bible. I'm not just giving you some moral things for you to go away and do this week. I want to show you Jesus. Because you need so much more than just a few moral things that you can go away and do. You need so much more than just, let me tell you a little bit more about the Bible. You need so much more than just Bible facts thrown at you. You need to be transformed. You need that. I need that. And that's done as we see Jesus. That's done as we see Jesus. And so, as I say, my aim is to hold up the word of God in such a way that Jesus dominates your view. That you can't see anything but him and his glory and his fruitfulness. Because when you see that, when you abide in him and his words abide in you, you will bear much fruit. And you will be fueled in the love that he has. Paul says um, to the Corinthians, you know, I decided to know nothing amongst you. Here he is. A wise, intelligent man, very well qualified. He says, I don't want to know anything amongst you except Christ and him crucified. Because I know that it's through that that you'll be changed. I know it's through that that you'll be transformed. That's the aim here. Promises that as you receive this word, as it finds home in you, you will know God and your joy will be full. You can have that new life. You can have that freedom. And you can only get that transformation here. Nowhere else will do it. What's amazing about all this is that all of this, 
that freedom, that life, that new life, that faith, that transformation, that fruitfulness, all comes as I'm reading and as I'm hearing. Paul says to the Ephesian church, you know, as you read this, this is his letter, he's writing scripture, as you read this, my insights into the glories and the mysteries of Jesus will be revealed to you. As you read, you're going to share the revelation that I've had. This is Paul who's caught up into the third heaven. He says, you know, you're going to share in that experience as you read my words. Amazing. He says to Timothy, think over what I say for the Lord will give you understanding in all things. Think over what I say for the Lord will give you understanding in all things. So in this very natural process of thinking, reading, hearing, God is at work by his spirit to reveal himself to us. Amazing, amazing promise. And so it's no wonder that the Bible again and again encourages us itself to say, meditate on the word day and night. Because as you do, as you think, as you hear, as you read, you're going to have revelation of Jesus. That's what Joshua is given at the beginning, as he begins his ministry leading the people of God. That, that word comes to him, meditate on the, uh, on the Lord day and night and I will be with you. I will be with you. So many Christians would love to hear God speak to them intimately and truly into their circumstances and their situations, into the decisions that they have to make. They would love that if that could happen every day. That's true, isn't it? <laughs> you would love it if God could come and speak to you in those situations. The promises he does. He's given those promises. He says, I will. And yet, kind of the, the word of God for many of us just is left there unopened. The word comes, I'm going to speak to you. I'm going to give you what you need. You want to meet with God? Here it is. And Christians, sometimes we can be like, come Lord, meet with me. Meet with me, Lord. Meet with me. And the Bible is just left there gathering dust as though it were just a book and not the very words of God. Now, it doesn't mean, and I've, I've seen Christians do this, that you ask the Bible a question, Lord, what job shall I take? Gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained in righteous life. I guess I'm supposed to look after old people. It's not some magic eight ball. It is all, always relevant. And it's all, always the word of God. And so we have to work to understand it sometimes. And sometimes that can be hard work. But the promise is that even as we work hard to understand it, God will come by his spirit and empower our reading. And so just quickly now, as we said, we want to let this word abide in us. We want it to find a home in us because that's, by that we'll be fruitful. We need to let our thoughts be soaked in and saturated by the word of God. And so that happens in our personal reading and study. You know, I tell you, if you can set aside a time, five or ten minutes a day, um, to read the Bible, you will find an, a 
change very, very quickly. Honestly, that's been my experience. I've never come away from the Word of God without having met with Him. I've put together a a little Bible reading plan. If you're new to reading your Bible, um, do grab hold of one of these. This will just take you through a few books in the New Testament. So it's just a couple of chapters a day, which is basically one, one and a half pages. You can grab one of these. They're in the um, corridor at the back at the table. So if you you want to get hold of one of those and make use of that, do. Um, Just very, very helpful. Um, If you if you struggle to read, sometimes I really struggle to read, you can plug in your headphones, you can listen to the Bible if, on your phone. You, there's, there's all sorts of apps now that can make it very easy. Um, we also, you know, communal Bible reading the set, and, te- and teaching, settings like this, um, they're huge in the kind of life of the church. And I think, this, I think this is the most pivotal moment on a Sunday morning when somebody stands up and opens the Word of God. Because that shapes our worship. That shapes how we uh, understand God. We can't worship God without knowing him. And this is where we know him, is in the, the teaching of the word, the exposition of the word. And so, you know, we see in, in, in the early church, Acts 2, 42, that the disciples, the, the, those early Christians, they are devoted to the teaching of the apostles. I just want more of this. I want more of this. Give me what you can. I want to squeeze every drop of the word of God out of you that I can. Are we making the most of these moments? Are we letting what's been spoken soak into us? Do we go away and think about, okay, what can I do with what has been given? It was amazing in this series, actually I've been challenged again and again as people have brought, even as Phil brought last week, how many of us have gone away and fasted since last week? How many have done something with the word that's been given to us? Because that's a challenge. You you know, uh, Jesus says, if anyone hears my words and does them, he's like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. If if he doesn't do it, like building your house on sand and when the winds come, you're going to be washed away. James takes that up again. He says, you know, we, we don't want to just be hearers of the word. It's not enough just to be preached to. We need to be doers of the word also. So I'm going to finish there. We've got, um, we're going to head back into worship just quickly. But I wonder, let's, let's kind of really let that word soak into us. Now, what are we going to do with the word of God when it comes Am I taking this thing seriously? Do I just nod my head when it's read? Or do I really and truly believe that this is the word of God and so take hold of it for all it's worth? As I say, grab hold of one of these. They're on the information desk at the back if you want one. Um, But let's just pray and then I'm going to hand over to these guys and we're going to worship. Why don't you stand with me as we do this? Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have revealed yourself to us. Lord, that you have made yourself known to us. You haven't left us in the dark guessing or feeling out who you are, but you have stepped down. You've spoken to us in many times, in many ways, and now you have revealed yourself in your son, your word. And so Lord, we, 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 we want to come like that psalmist who says, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul cries out for you. We want to come, as the psalmist says, 
Lord, would you open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things from your word. So God, as I, as I preached, as I preached this morning, Lord, I pray, would it land? Lord, would we be a people who are shaped, truly shaped, by what we see of you in your word? Challenged and changed. And Lord, I pray, would you continue to reveal your son to us? That we wouldn't be blinkered, that we wouldn't be looking at you through a veil, but we would now with unveiled face behold the glory of God and be transformed into that same glory from one degree to another. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Josh. And at the end, when we finish... If you want to know more about how you can read your Bible, Josh will be here. Um, if he, he's mentioned about some apps on your phone. If you want to know more about that, then please come to the front. We'll be able to give you some real practical ways that you can be reading your Bible. And if you've got children and explorers, if you could go and get them, please. But some of the explorers are going to be sharing about what they've learned from the Word of God today. So if you can bring your children back in, um, just as we have um, a final time of singing our worship to God. Thank you, Casey. commands all the hosts of heaven who else can make every king bow down who else can whisper and darkness trembles only a holy God what are the beauty demand such praises Water the splendor outshines the sun. Water the majesty rules with justice. Only a holy God. Come and behold the one and the only. Cry out, sing holy. Forever a holy God, come and worship the holy God. Water the glory consumes like fire, water the power can raise the dead. Water the name remains undefeated, only a holy God. Come and behold you, the one and the only. Cry out, sing holy, forever a holy God. Come and worship the Holy God. Come and behold the one and the only. Cry out, sing holy. 
Jesus could rescue me from my failure Who else would offer his holy son Who else invites me to call him father Only a holy God Only a holy today because it's fantastic as a church family we don't just believe God speaks to us but God speaks to our youth he speaks to the explorers so I'm just going to introduce you to some of the team and they're going to be telling us what's been going on so Helen can you tell us some of what what has been happening and have you had any boys in explorers today or is it just girls you, just just one boy okay We've been talking today about families, in particular Jacob's family and, and our own families and how God looks after our families. We're in God's hands. Do you want to hold your cards up? Sophie, do you want to say? Um, we're in God's hands and God loves us. He'll never stop loving us. That's the basis of what we've said this morning. Do you want to say anything, anybody? We've been doing about how Jacob was welcome to him. We've been learning about Jacob and Esau coming back together. Yeah, it's fantastic, isn't it? um, They were sharing about how much God loves us. And that, as Josh has been talking about, the Word of God. And it says in 1 John, how great is the love that the Father has lavished upon us, that we can be called children of God. That is who we are. That is who we are as we go out into this week ahead. We are going out as children of God, children who are loved by an amazing Father. Casey, have you got one more song? We'll do one more song. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much, Explorers. 